Our Father, we thank you for this corporate worship experience. We thank you just for blessing us and allow us to come to the house of prayer one more time. Father, we just so grateful for your spirit. We're grateful for your word that you taught us to do the things that will be pleasing in your sight and for the upbuilding of your kingdom. And we just thank you for it. Father, look over us this day. Keep us in your care. Bless our pastor as he brings the word today. Not only bless our pastor, but bless the followers that they may take your word beyond these walls and be a blessing to someone else. Father, go with us this day. Guide our footsteps and keep us in the path of right. We just thank you for being so good to us. For you've been better to us than we've been to ourselves, and we thank you. Keep your loving of us around us, guide us, and keep us, I pray. Amen. Amen. Let the church say amen. Let's say amen again. We're thankful for this day, this moment, this hour of worship. Listen, it's homecoming for Jackson State, homecoming for all corn. But listen, I'm glad that on Sunday morning, all of us can get together in this place that serves as our spiritual home, the home of our spiritual birth, our spiritual growth. Amen. And we come to glorify the name of the Lord this morning. Amen. Y'all ready to glorify his name? Anybody want to give him glory, praise, and honor this morning? This is the day that God has made. We're rejoicing. And we're glad in it. Praise team, let's glorify his name this morning. Real simple praise goes like this, y'all.
among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation all and whatever you do in word or deed do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ giving thanks to the Father through him Amen at this time we will transition to the congregation of him my faith looks up to thee
It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and the members of your health ministry invite you to go pink with us on the fourth Sunday, October the 27th, by wearing something pink to bring awareness and stress the importance of screening. In addition, members of the health ministry will be in the fellowship hall on the second and third Sundays between services to sign up walkers and donors for the annual Making Strides Against Breast Cancer of Central Mississippi. This walk is scheduled for Saturday, October the 25th. Don't forget the annual Parent and Youth Kickoff Informational Session and Luncheon will take place on Sunday, October the 20th at 1 p.m. in the Family Life Center Gym. Ladies, if you didn't do so last week, please take a few minutes, grab that orange card located in the back of the pew, and fill that information in and drop it in the offering plate. The K-Chapel Mission is taking a census and is asking all ladies ages 19 and older, members and non-members, to complete this form. Professionals, business owners, and politicians, please take advantage of this opportunity to participate in the Walton Elementary Career Day. This event will take place on Friday, October the 25th from 9.30 a.m. to 11. Please see Sister Alistair Morgan for more information. And please be sure to check our bulletins and the bulletin boards for additional announcements and upcoming community events. And to share your ministry news with the K-Chapel family, just send an email to kchapelannouncements at yahoo.com or you can go to the Submit Info tab on the K-Chapel app. But be sure to get your announcements in by noon on Tuesday of each week. Amen. Let the church say amen. Amen. Is Brother Brown here? Ken Brown, are you here? Amen. Come on and make your announcement about our youth. We want to make sure our youth and our uh, adults uh, get the needed information. Amen. Y'all say amen for our youth director. Amen. amen. Can everybody? Oh, there we go. Okay. Good morning again. Well, you all know it's time. You all saw the media announcement up on the screen there. And how many of you all have children of this church or children who visit this church between the ages of 5 and 18? Can you raise your hand? Five and 18. So that's a good bit of you all. And some of you all might have grandchildren and great-grandchildren that are here at this church. And of course, we want to capture them. Uh, we begin ready to start our new calendar year for the youth department. And there's some information that's going to be given to you all. And we're going to need you to be present with your child. It's very important that we be here next Sunday at 1 o'clock, or we always say immediately after 11 o'clock service. So if you're going to be here, if you're not going to be here, come for that. And I ask that you bring that child so we can capture them by doing some things and showing them what's going to be needed. There are some new mandates that we're putting in place to enroll and get them encouraged to go to Sunday school and encourage them to be more involved in things that's going on in the church. Sunday school, you know, as I said that first, is the most important thing. So if your child is not coming to Sunday school, we're going to need them to come because that's going to be one major requirement that's going to allow them to go on the trips and things that's coming forward through the youth department. So I ask that you show up that Sunday, next Sunday, be on time. Of course, if you come with a hungry stomach, guess what? We're going to fill it. So just come on with us and be here. Tell someone to bring someone. And then be on time because we're going to start on time. And I promise I won't hold you long. Bless you. Amen. Thank you. Bless you. Let the church say amen. On last Sunday, we uh, thank God for all of our new officers. Uh, we had an installation of officers uh, serving in various ministries uh, this year. Do me a favor. Help me welcome two new mothers to the Mother's Board. Amen. Mother Shirley Davis. Come on and stand up, Mother, Dave. Mother Davis. <laughs> and Mother Loretta Epps. Mother Epps, won't you stand up? Come on and welcome them. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for serving. We're going to be praying for you. Amen. God bless you and God keep you is our prayer. We want to ask that you also keep in mind the uh, K Development Center. Uh, you should have gotten a text message over the last couple of weeks uh, of how you can support our development center here at K Chapel. A wonderful center it is, and we need your help in order to continue, continue to keep shaping minds and preparing young, people's, uh, young people in their educational pursuits. Uh, if you're looking for that information, you can go to the Facebook page. You should see a link there. Uh, also, we may, let, let's go ahead, media, let's go ahead and send that link out again uh, at the conclusion of this service. For those of you who may not have gotten that link, we want to make sure you get that and you have an opportunity to support our Developmental Learning Center here at K Chapel. Amen. God bless you and God keep you. It's time now that we recognize our visitors. I know we have some visiting with us, so we ask that our visitors at this time, will you please stand? Our visitors, will you please stand? We want you to know, on behalf of our pastor, Reverend Reginald Buckley, and the entire K Chapel family, 
We appreciate you coming to worship with us this morning. We know you could have gone somewhere else. Remain standing because we're going to give you something that you can only get right here at K Chapel Missionary Baptist Church. This is our fellowship here. Won't you reach out and welcome your neighbor? Make sure you say hello to our, vis our visitors and our guests. Amen. You know, each week we are called to the ministry of one another, and there are people that are in much need of your prayers, phone calls, and support. Let us continue to pray for all of our bereaved families. Sister Ann Alexander lost her son, Reginald Antonio Harris, who is also the brother of, brother of sister Joan Henderson and Randy Harris. A memorial service will be held here at Cade Chapel on Thursday, October 17th at 11 o'clock a.m. Sister Loretta Williams lost her husband, Mr. Alonzo Williams, also the uncle of Deacon Kelvin Williams. A memorial service will be held here at Cade Chapel on Saturday, October 19th at 11 o'clock a.m. Sister Rochelle Bingham lost her uncle. Sister Sharon Turner lost her father, Mr. M.C. Turner. Sister Elnora Cropper lost her sister, Elmira Ruth Ederick. We have still in the hospital Brother Kenneth Williams and Sister Thera Malone. They're still at the uh, St. Both are at St. Dominic's Hospital. And continue to pray for those that are recovering at home. Uh, Coach Walter Griffin, Brother Frank Blunson, Sister Dorothy Aldrich, Mother Triplett, 
Sister Vera Collins, and also Sister Aletha Lewis. And I have a name, another name to add to that sick list, uh, Sister De Destiny Smith. I have two cars, both are from the Gross family, and they're thanking UK Chapel for everything that you do, did during their loss. And remember, as I always say, pray when you can, visit where you can, and each day, thank God because you're healthy that you can. Amen? Amen. Let us now prepare for our tithes and offering period. Good morning. It is now time to bless the Lord through our giving. And I can't think of any reason than being obedience to God's word. From what you have taken and offered for the Lord, everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. If you have gold, silver, and bronze, we'll take it, but we prefer that you use cash. Amen. But if that's all you got now, we'll figure out how to exchange it. Amen. And for those of you who are online, amen, if you will use the number on your screen, amen, you can participate in the giving as well. Our ushers are coming.
us to the claim of your will, O God, and stir us with a passion for your kingdom, that we may respond at this time not only with our gifts, but also with our lives. Amen. The lion and the lamb, how great. 
certainly God is great. And if you are looking for evidence of his greatness, look around. Look around at your neighbor. And if you need evidence of his greatness, look at the fact that you came here this morning. You need evidence of his greatness. Think about the fact that you know your name. You need evidence of his greatness. Think about the fact that you got up and could get up. I wish I had a witness in here. If you need evidence of his greatness, somebody ought to thank God this morning that he just brought you through another week. Only a good God, only a great God, only a wonderful God. How great is our God? Great healer, a great provider, a great mind regulator, a great company keeper, a great door opener, a great way out of nowhere. How great is our God? His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. God is great and greatly to be praised. I believe I'm in the right house this morning. God is great and greatly to be praised. Amen. Amen. If you would join me in reading of Matthew's gospel, gospel of St. Matthew, uh, the third chapter, the third chapter of the gospel of St. Matthew, beginning with the 16th verse. There you will find these words recorded. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to talk from the subject this morning, pleasing God. Pleasing God. It is usually most often the hope of every child to be pleasing to his or her parents. You remember when you were a child, you you wanted nothing more than for mama or daddy to be pleased. You made good grades, not just because you wanted to make good grades, but you made good grades because you wanted mama or daddy to be pleased. You cleaned up your room, not just because you wanted to clean up your room, but you, you did it oftentimes, amen. I ain't gonna go too far with it because I might run out of runway. But oftentimes you did it because you wanted to please mama and daddy. When, when, a child is, when a child is on the basketball court or on the football field and they've made a big play, oftentimes they will turn and try to catch the eye of mama or daddy in the stands because they want the affirmation that what they just did has been pleasing to them. When, when they walk across that stage and get that diploma, they, they're looking for somebody in their family who means something to them and catch their eye and see that gleam in their eye and know that what they just did mattered and it's pleasing to them. We want to please those who mean most to us. You remember what that felt like and and today's text, we find an affirming declaration of the father concerning his son. In our text, Jesus has just been baptized by John the Baptist. The Baptist. It was a baptism that John initially does not want to perform because he understood who Jesus was. As the Lamb of God who had come to take away the sin of the world, John said, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be <coughs> See, I got some Bible readers in here. You should be baptizing me. Jesus says to him, suffer it 
to be so. In other words, I know that what you're saying is true and you know that what you're saying is true, but I need you, John, to do this for me so that the sake, uh, uh, the, so that the fulfillment of prophecy will have taken place and so that the initiation of my ministry can ensue. John, suffer it to be so. Baptize me today. John concedes to Jesus' request and baptizes him in the Jordan River. And upon his coming up out of the water, the gospel writer writes that the heavens were opened up. Spirit descends upon him like a dove and lightning upon him. And in the midst of that, a voice from heaven says, This is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. It is God's confirmation of Jesus as being his son and it is his affirmation of his pleasure in Jesus as his son. It's like saying, yes, this is my son and I'm proud of it. You, you know, because some of us, amen, sometimes our children don't necessarily make us the proudest. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. And, 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 and we'll, we'll, we'll sometimes say that, that that's your son when he do something wrong or that. That's your daughter when she do something wrong. But, but God says, no, this is my son, and I'm pleased in him. He pleases me. I'm proud of who he is. This is my beloved son. And this is not the only instance where God puts his stamp of approval and affirmation upon his son. Later, in chapter 17 of Matthew, Jesus is on a mountaintop with Peter, James, and John. And Jesus is transfigured before their presence. And accompanying that awesome sight is the audible sound of God's voice saying again, This is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Twice in scripture. God affirms the relationship and confirms his pleasure in his son. And as children of God, we should at some point ask ourselves the question, are we pleasing God? As his son and as his daughter, does God say of you, I'm well pleased? Can God say of us, in this one and in that one and this one and in that one, I am well pleased. What would God's announcement of you sound like? How would God talk about you? How would the Lord introduce you to others? Could, could, could it and would it be said of God, this is my child and she pleases me? This is my son, and he pleases me. This is my daughter. This is my son. Or would he have to drop his head? And say, yeah, he mine, but. Amen. Yeah, she's mine, but. How would the Lord talk? Of us because every child wants their parent to be proud of them and I because of that I want to share with you a few things today that will help to ensure that God is well pleased with you first thing pleasing God requires number one pleasing God requires the free acknowledgement of your father pleasing God requires the free acknowledgement of of your father. When chapter 3 of the book of Matthew begins, there is actually a very abrupt beginning from chapter 2's closing because when chapter 2 closes, Jesus is still a toddler. You read it when you get home. When chapter 2 closes, Jesus is still a toddler. They are on the run still in Egypt after Herod has been looking, uh, hiding, hiding from, from, from the king. And so they are on the run in chapter 2. And chapter 2 closes with Jesus still a toddler. When chapter 3 opens, Jesus is now 30 years old, about to be baptized. So about 27 years have passed between the ending of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3. And in order to understand what's happened in that gap of time, you've got to read some of the other gospels. 
when you read, when you read the book of Luke, Luke gives you some insight of to what's been going on in Jesus' life. G Luke tells you about Jesus as a preteen at the age of 12. He is with Mary and, and Joseph on their way to, 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 to the Passover in Jerusalem. Y'all remember that, don't you? And, and they get there and they celebrate the Passover and, and Mary and, and Joseph are on their way back home and they're journeying at least a day before they realize that Jesus is not with them. Now, before you think that they're negligent parents, don't think that of them because it was no big deal in that day for teenagers and, and children to walk with some of their family. You know, they figured they, they were with, 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 with Nanny and Neam. You know Enem, you know Enem, you, you know who Enem is, Enem, Leroy Enem, and, and, and Peggy Enem, they, they, he, he hanging out with them, he, he's somewhere back in the pack, but he's with our clan, he's with our tribe, but it was about a day before they realized Enem didn't have him. He wasn't with Enem. So they had to go back to Jerusalem to find Jesus. And it took them three days to find him after they got to Jerusalem. And you read the text. When they found him, they found him in the synagogue. Text says that he was there asking questions of the doctors and also answering questions also. He, he, he was asking questions but also giving answers and the Bible says that all of those who are around this preteen, this 12 year old were astonished at the wisdom that he had in his understanding of the scriptures. Mary got to him and said, Jesus, where you been? Don't you, don't you know me and your daddy been looking for you? We, we've been looking for you for three, four days now. How could you do this to us? And Jesus answered him by saying, didn't you know? You didn't have to spend three days. You should have known from the beginning where I was that I would be about my, my father's business. Do I have a witness in here? He said, that I, 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 was, I was taking care. I was, I was tending to my father's business. And, and, and you see at the age of 12, Jesus freely acknowledges the father. He's not shy or ashamed to acknowledge the father. He is not pensive or passive in acknowledging the father. He is not reserved or reticent in acknowledging the father. He is not embarrassed or insecure in acknowledging the father. And if you want to be pleasing to the father, you must first come to the place in your life where acknowledging him as a priority in your life is not a problem. And it doesn't matter who you're around. It doesn't matter who you're with. It doesn't matter what clan or group you're with. It doesn't matter where you are I gotta tell somebody I'm his he's mine and I'm glad he's my father I'm his child and I'm glad if you're gonna please the father watch this the first thing is you can't be ashamed of him if you're gonna please him you can't be ashamed to claim him. Matthew, Matthew, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Jesus saying, listen, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. If there's something wrong with you calling my name in public, maybe I won't call your name in the last day. If, if you can't call my name before your friends, I can't call your name before my father. Mark goes along. Mark chapter 8. Jesus says these words in Mark chapter 8 verse 38. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. Of him also shall the son of man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his father with his holy angels. In other words you cannot be ashamed of your faith and also be pleasing to the father. You can't be ashamed to own him as your father. 
No, no, no. You, 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 you cannot be embarrassed about what you believe and be pleasing to the Father. You cannot be insecure around certain people when it comes to what you believe and how you pray and how you praise and be pleasing to the Father. You cannot pick and choose who you are going to show yourself to be a Christian to and be pleasing to the Father. You cannot show yourself to be a child to one group and, and then somebody else to another group and, and own him in this group but deny him in that group and be pleasing to the Father. And being pleasing to the Father means that you associate yourself with him and acknowledge him and Live your faith consistently and proudly. I'm his, he's mine, and I'm glad. And Jesus did that at the age of 12. At the age of 12, he acknowledged his father. Doesn't end there. Chapter doesn't end there. Later on, that chapter, verse 52 says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And so after this 12-year-old has 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 marvelously answered questions and asked questions that that made even the doctors wonder about his wisdom. After that, the gospel says that listen, he didn't stop growing there, but he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man, which brings me to the second point of pleasing God. Pleasing God requires, secondly, that you have a growing heart towards the Father. A growing heart towards the Father. God says of his son on this day of his baptism, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Now remember, I told you from chapter 2, Chapter 3 is a span of about 27 years. We see in Mark's gospel a preteen Jesus who doesn't mind declaring his faith and association with the Father. And Jesus continues to grow from this 12-year-old into a young adult who has wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Tell your neighbor, he grew. He grew. He didn't stall in his teenage years he grew. Yeah, he, 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 he didn't become stagnant yeah, as a teenager. He grew. He, 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 he wasn't on fire as a young adult, uh, but he continued to grow. He didn't become stagnant and fall away when he got old enough to move out of mama's house, but he continued to grow. I wish I had a witness in here. From this preteen child into adulthood, the father is pleased in him because Jesus continues to grow in his heart and in his desire for God. And I would like to point this out to you. That God is pleased, watch this, in him. Not with him. In him. In whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son. And I've watched him from birth to this 30-year-old. And at this moment of baptism, in him and his journey, I'm well pleased. In the person he is becoming, God was well pleased. In the values he had embraced, God was well pleased. In the belief system he had adopted, God was well pleased. In the heart that he had to be one with the Father, God was well pleased. And I think it's more important that God is pleased in us than with us. Mm. Because when somebody is pleased with you, it's usually because of something you've done. When somebody is pleased with you, it's because you did something that they like. But when somebody is pleased in you, they're not looking at what you've done. They're looking at who you are. And the truth of the matter is all of us at some point on our journey are going to do some things that are going to mess up the fellowship and mess up the feelings. But I'm glad that God doesn't get caught up in what we've done. He's always looking at who we are and what we're becoming in whom I'm well pleased. Mm. Any parent will tell you 
And while they would love for their child to be successful, they are more interested in who that child is becoming. While you might be pleased that your son gets a good paying job, you would be more pleased in your son being an honest person who gets up and goes to work. Takes care of his respect. Yeah, you'd love that he makes six figures, but but if he don't make that, I just love for him to be honest and have good values in whom I'm well pleased. Yes, 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 yes. I, I I'm pleased. I'm pleased when my child cleans her room, but but I'm more pleased that she's an organized person. You, do you see what I'm saying? It's not what you do; it's who you are. I'm pleased when my son takes out the trash. That's what he did, but I'm more pleased with him being responsible in his assignments. That's just who he is rather than what he does. And watch this. Watch this. Eventually, eventually, who you are will determine what you do. (laughs) Y'all ain't talking to me in here eventually who you are will determine what you do. You might have some hiccups and some brush-ups along the way, but as you walk this out and work this out along the journey, who you are will catch up to what you do, and you don't have to worry about doing the right thing because doing the right thing will come from who you are. When you grow in your faith, You should grow such that God is not only pleased with what you do, but pleased in who you are and who you are becoming. This is my child in whom I'm well pleased, well pleased in the desires you are pursuing, well pleased in the character you are embodying, well pleased in the journey you are undertaking, well pleased in the lifestyle you are embracing, well pleased in the worldview you are shaping, well pleased in the truths that you are accepting, well pleased in the understanding that you are adopting because understand there will be things that you do along the way that don't please God. And it's good to know that God can be pleased in me when he's not pleased with me. See, that's why, that's why, that's why, Perry, the scripture can refer to David as a man after God's own heart. Not because of all the choices that David was making, but because of the man David was becoming. He was messing up along the way, but his heart was constantly pursuing God. I'm well pleased. Not because of the choices, but because he's deciding to continue to pursue me. And listen, that gives me hope, preachers. That gives me hope that God can also be pleased in us even as he is displeased with us. Certainly with Jesus, God had to have been both pleased in Jesus and pleased with Jesus because Jesus knew no sin, he did no wrong. But I'm glad that the text says that God was pleased in him and not with him because the reality is that along this journey, I'm going to do and you're going to do some things that don't please the Father. And the good news of this text is that he can be pleased in me while not being pleased with me. Last thing and I'm through. If you're going to be pleasing to the Father, pleasing to God, It requires, lastly, a faithful walk with the Father. A faithful walk with the Father. I I need to go to the book of Hebrews and close on this thought in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And you know this passage, but we'll read it together. Chapter number 11, beginning with the first verse. You know what it says. Now faith (coughs) is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it, the elders obtained a what? A good report. There it is, well-pleasing. He was well, they were well-pleasing. A good report through faith. 
We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it being dead, yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. Watch this. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. This this chapter chronicles some of the great walks of faith by men and women of the Bible whose names are preserved and presented for our consideration of what faith looks like and what faith does and how faith ultimately is rewarded. The writer brings our attention to Abraham and his faith walk with God. Noah and his faith to build for an event that had never seen, been seen before. Moses and his faith to be affiliated with his Hebrew brothers over his Egyptian upbringing. Rahab and her faith to assist the Israelite spies. And the point being that faith, faith, faith is pleasing to God. You can sing to the glory of God. But if you don't have faith to do what you're singing about, you cannot please God. You can preach the paint off the walls, preachers. But if you don't have faith to live what you're preaching about, you cannot be pleasing to God. You can pray deacons until the doorposts begin to move. But if you don't have the faith to believe that for which you have just prayed, you cannot be pleasing to God. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. I believe ultimately this is why God was well pleased in Jesus. Because he faithfully walked with the Father. Even when the walk was treacherous, he kept walking. Even when the walk became dark, he kept walking. Even when the walk would require the giving of his life, he kept walking. By faith, he walked into the garden of Gethsemane and prayed to him, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from my lips. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. By faith, he walked into the court of Pilate and acknowledged that only God could give Pilate the power to kill him. By faith, he walked from judgment hall to judgment hall, never defending himself and submitting himself to the will of the Father. By faith, he walked the Via Dolorosa, that winding road that led to Calvary's hill. By faith, he gave his hands and feet to the nails, his side to the spear, his head to the crown of thorns. By faith, he hung there, accepting the sovereign will of the Father. And by faith, he then asked his Father, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. By faith. And in his last breath, by faith, he said, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. In other words, Lord, I've done everything I can do. Now I'm putting it in your hands. I'm putting this in your hands. I'm putting this situation in your hands. I'm letting go of trying to figure out why and the what ifs and I'm just putting it in your hands. I'm letting go of the results and the outcomes and I'm putting it in your hands by faith. And if we want to be pleasing to God, we've got to get to the place in our lives where we can just put it in his hands. Your life, put it in his hands. Your decisions, put them in his hands. Your needs, put them in his hands. Your hopes, put them in his hands. Your aspirations, put them in his hands. Your family, put them in his hands. Your career, put them in his hands. Your marriage, put it in his hands by faith. Put all that you have in his hands. Because in so doing, you're saying to God, God, I trust you. God, I believe that you know what's best for me. And I'm putting it in your hands. And that 
is pleasing God. I want you to get to the place right now where you take what you've been holding in yours and put in his. You've been holding on to some decisions that you have to make. And you've not let him show you what to do. I ask you this morning, put it in his hands. Put it in his hands. Walk by faith. Believing that with God, all things are possible. But without faith, it's impossible to please God.